Well, good morning, everybody. Great to see you, whether you're on site or whether you're online with us this morning. It's so good to have you here with us. If you're online, I can see you joining in on the live chat. Great job, everybody. Please continue to do that. If you're on site with us, it's lovely to have you here with us uh, as well. My name's Chris. If we've not met before, it's great to see you. Uh, I'm the senior minister here at Andover Baptist Church, and I'm finishing off today the last part of our Lost and Found series. Now, I want to ask you this question as we begin this morning. Have you ever discovered or found something and wondered, where has this been all my life? Anybody ever done that? Maybe it's like some uh, box set on Prime or Netflix that you suddenly discover somebody puts you onto. There are eight series of it, and you think, this is fantastic. This is what I'm going to be doing for the next few weeks and months. Where has this been all my life? Has that ever happened to you? Uh, I wondered maybe if some of our young people here have done that. I was talking with Tom and Josh, who were hosting on the live stream with me uh, this morning. We had such a good time, by the way, hosting the live stream. We never got to this question I was going to ask them, which is, was there something that you've said, oh, where has this been all my life? And I don't want to be rude about um, teenage young men, but they're teenage young men, and so video games definitely came up. And apparently there's one called Pokemon Scarlet. Anybody know that? that apparently has just come out, and Josh was saying, where has this been all my life, this game? I mean, he's only, how old, 15, something like that, 14, 15, how old are you? Yeah, I'm just getting a nod. But all his life, he's waited for Pokemon Scarlet, even though he didn't know it. And uh, Tom was telling me about something else, I can't even remember what it was called now, but some other kind of game. Where's this been all my life? Maybe that's been you, maybe it's something like that that you've discovered. I asked our staff team and those around the office this week, was there anything like that for you? Anything that you discovered that you thought, where has this been all my life? And I don't want to be sexist or anything, but there was quite a split between men and women on our staff team. So let me tell you what they said. The women said Grey's Anatomy. Any Grey's Anatomy fans here this morning? Okay, yeah, the women said Grey's Anatomy. The parents said blackout blinds for kids' bedrooms so they don't get up so early in the morning. Anybody got anybody approving of that one? Yeah. The men <laughs> said the McDonald's Big Tasty, which is all you need to know about the men on our staff team. One of the members of our staff team, who shall remain nameless, when I said, is there something that you found that you thought, where has this been all my life? They said, and I'm not lying, I kid you not, gin. That's what they said. Gin. Where's gin been all my life? Well, Ruth, my wife, and I, we, uh, we celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary back in September, and our kids, Emily and Jess, they clubbed together with their grandparents, and for our 30th wedding anniversary, they gave us a day out in London, and about a month ago, we got to use that for this day out in London. We had the most amazing day. They got all of this sorted. I think their grandparents probably bankrolled it, if I'm honest, uh, but we got to have dinner in Covent Garden and a show after that. We got to see Tower Bridge. We got to go around HMS Belfast, all this kind of stuff, but our day began with brunch at the ivy overlooking Tower Bridge, which was amazing. And uh, we arrived at the ivy, and they'd got this all lined up for us. We were welcomed by the maitre d', and they said, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Porter, happy anniversary, well done. And they took us to our table, all that. It was very, all lovely. And then we got to order brunch. And here's something I'd never had before, but I thought, 52 years of age, where has this been all my life? And that was Eggs Royale. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? We're talking about Eggs Royale. The posh people in the room, if you're nodding, you're the posh ones, right? We know you. So this is a, a muffin with smoked salmon on top, poached eggs, and hollandaise sauce. Where has this been all my life? 
It was amazing. It's so good. Now, I presume it's just as amazing everywhere else. I don't know whether it was the way the ivy did it or whatever, but it was amazing. And this is now going to be a staple part of my diet for the rest of my life. Eggs Royale. Wow. I'd lost it. It was lost to me. And then I found it. And life is never going to be the same again. Well, I think instinctively, most of us know or think that there must be something more. Even if you'd say, look, I'm not a religious person, I'm not a church person, I don't do this whole kind of church stuff. I think most of us deep down know that there must be something more to life. There must be something that's lost to us, something we're not quite experiencing, something we haven't found yet. But if we do find it, then the promise is there that life will never be the same again. And throughout this series, over the last three or four weeks, we've been talking about lost and found. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I uh, introduced us to the definition of what it means for something to be lost. Now, kids, young people, have you ever lost something? I bet you have. I bet you've lost things. This is what the dictionary tells us being lost means. It means that you're no longer known or something is no longer known. It's beyond reach. You might be unable to find the way, not appreciated or understood, obscured or overlooked, or no longer visible. It's what it means to be lost. And you know, uh, when we lose something like that, or when we feel like that, I think we wonder, is there something somewhere that would change this for me, that would leave me feeling different to this? I wonder if there's something out there that could actually mean I would be found, that could help with this kind of stuff. Something that you might discover that would make you go, where has this been all my life? Now, here's a slightly different question I want to ask on top of that question this morning. Have you ever longed to find something that would help you feel seen? Have you ever felt unseen? Have you ever felt un alone in the playground or maybe lost in the crowd or wishing somebody would see you or notice you? Well, I want to introduce you to somebody this morning. Grace has already mentioned him. We want to introduce you to somebody this morning who had exactly this stuff going on in his life. On the surface, as Grace said, he had everything. He was wealthy. He had a great career. But he was searching for something more, something that was missing, something that he knew was not in his life, but he didn't really know what it was. And he was lonely. No one was watching out for him. Nobody was really seeing him. And his name was Zacchaeus. And he hadn't found what he was looking for. He was lost. And through the story of Zacchaeus this morning, we want to talk to you about uh, some, a really important question. And the question is this, have you found what you're looking for? Have you found what you're looking for? And we find the story of Zacchaeus in uh, an account of Jesus's life by a guy called Luke. And in Luke chapter 19, this book is in the New Testament part of the Bible, we find the story of Zacchaeus. And it goes like this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. So here we find out the very first thing that Luke wants us to know about Zacchaeus. He was wealthy. He was a chief tax collector. So he wasn't just like a regular tax collector. He was the chief. And in these days, being a tax collector was like a pyramid scheme, right? So all the underling tax collectors all collected their taxes from the people and paid you a kind of a bit of that and then there and so on and so on. So if you were the chief, if you were at the top, you were getting loads of money, basically. You were doing really well. 
So on the outside, it would have seemed like everything was going well for Zacchaeus. He was wealthy, he had all this going on, his career was great, and so on. But there was something, as Grace said, there was something missing, something going on in his life that was missing. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. There was something attractive to him about Jesus. Now, he'd never met Jesus before, as far as we know. He didn't, there was no like internet, TV, YouTube, nothing like that. He wouldn't have seen Jesus, but he'd heard something about Jesus. And that was attractive to him. And he was going, there's something missing from my life. I just wonder. So something drove him to leave his house, to go out, and then he found crowds of people. He was a short guy, so he couldn't see. So he was like, I really want to see Jesus. I want to see this guy that, for whatever reason, I feel I want to know, or I want to see, or I'm attracted to in some way, shape, or form. So even though Zacchaeus was wealthy and had all this stuff going on in his life, there was something that was encouraging him to wonder about what could be. So he goes... He climbs, and by the way, just sorry, just go back to that slide just briefly. Thank you so much. He climbs a sycamore fig tree. I mean, this is really interesting. This is one of the things, by the way, that makes me uh, hold on to these stories and these accounts as being really trustworthy. It's the level of detail we get in them. Because Luke could have just said he climbed a tree. Fair play. But we're told it was exactly what kind of tree it was. That makes me think people were really seeing this going on. And Luke was writing down their accounts. Anyway, let's press on. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And I don't want you to miss this. So Jesus is walking through these crowds of people. There would have been a whole commotion going on around him, like an entourage following him, all of that kind of stuff. He's walking past everybody else in Jericho. Just everybody else just gets walked past as Jesus walks on through. But something means Jesus stops by Zacchaeus. And looks up to Zacchaeus in the tree and says, I see you. This is such a powerful image. If you've ever felt unseen, if you've ever felt lost in the crowd, alone in the playground, alone in the classroom, alone at work, alone even in your family, this is a moment where Jesus looks up at somebody who was alone and says, I see you. I see you. Such a powerful image. This man who appeared to have everything, but who was craving something, was finally seen. This man who was disliked, maybe even hated by everyone else around and about, because he was getting their taxes off them and doing very well out of everybody else, he suddenly mattered to someone. The man who people crossed the street when they saw him coming along because they didn't want to know him. The man that they shunned who was ignored and turned away from, suddenly was important to someone. Can you imagine this? Imagine how this would have felt for Zacchaeus. Imagine you were Zacchaeus, because I think we all feel those things from time to time. Are we unimportant, that we don't matter to people, that we're unseen? Well, Jesus looks straight in the eyes of the man who feels that way and says, I see you, I see you. So anyway, the story goes on. Jesus says, look, come on down. I've got to hang out at your house today. Uh, But the people around and about, the others who Jesus had walked by to get to Zacchaeus, they didn't like it. 
So they started muttering and chuntering. And by the way, if you read Luke's account of Jesus' life, he's really interested in the people who mutter and chunter because he references often. He references often the religious people who when Jesus goes to people they don't think Jesus should go to, they all start moaning and grumbling and chuntering and muttering. And it's fascinating that Luke's really interested in that because Luke wants to show us who Jesus really came for. Anyway, so Zacchaeus comes down. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Nobody likes Zacchaeus. And I think this is wonderful, by the way. If you'd said to those people 2,000 years ago who were all muttering and chuntering, 2,000 years from now, millions of people are going to know the name Zacchaeus and they'll still be talking about him in millions of churches all around the world. Can you imagine their muttering and chuntering and how much louder it would have got? I like that. Is that bad that I feel quite spiteful about that? I'd like to be able to tell them, stop your muttering and chuntering because nobody's going to remember your name and everybody's going to remember Zacchaeus's name. Anyway, that's probably, uh, doesn't show very well on me, does it? But I love it that they'll still be talking. We are still talking about Zacchaeus. And once again, you see, Jesus finds himself hanging out in the company of what everybody else thought were the wrong sorts of people. The tax collectors, the sinners, the people far from God, the people lost. And once again, the religious people in the crowds, they grumble and moan about it. But Jesus doesn't care. Because you see, this is the very kind of person that Jesus has come to be with. Jesus' priority was to build relationships with the lost. The people like Zacchaeus so that they might come to know the God who loves them unconditionally. And you know, religious people can so often put up barriers to people who are searching for something, who are looking for something more. Religious people, church people, can be muttering and chuntering and forgetting that actually the lost, the lonely, the hurting, the far from God, the people who don't normally do church, they are Jesus's priority. And Christians can sometimes become a barrier to non-Christians who want to find God. People who may be searching and sensing that there is something more, but just don't quite know where to find it yet. And sometimes we, those of us who are Christians, we can get in the way. We can put up barriers, subconsciously we can put up barriers to providing opportunities for people to come and encounter Jesus. And sometimes churches can do that too, very sadly. We're trying really hard at ABC to make sure we're not that kind of church. And anyway, Zacchaeus met Jesus. Jesus went to spend time with them. They hung out together. And Zacchaeus' life was changing. Look, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. You see, an encounter with Jesus is life-changing. And the thing that was holding Zacchaeus back from this life-changing encounter with Jesus, for Zacchaeus, it was money. So that's the first thing that God deals with in Zacchaeus' life. And Zacchaeus is totally changed. Now, for others of us, it's not necessarily money. It might be something different. But God would want to deal with that so that we can have our lives changed by the power of Jesus. You know, this whole thing, it would have totally shattered Zacchaeus' net worth. Totally shattered it. But Zacchaeus didn't care because he'd found something far more valuable. And then the story wraps up, two more verses. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham, which was a religious way of saying this man too is now a child of God. That's what that meant. 
For the Son of Man, Jesus gives himself this title, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. For Jesus came, he says, out of his own mouth to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came for people like Zacchaeus. He didn't come for religious people. He came for people like Zacchaeus. He came for the lost. And by the way, religious people get lost too. So he came for the lost religious people too. If you feel lost, if you're feeling any of those things we talked about earlier, obscured, unvalued, unseen, unknown, not on the right path, the great news is that Jesus came for people like us, people who feel that kind of way. Jesus came for you and for me when we feel those things. If you feel far from God or you've never encountered God, you've never met Jesus, you've never hung out with Jesus, he is longing to meet with you and hang out with you, to have a relationship with you so that you will feel found. And you'll find that thing that you'll think when you find it, where has this been all my life? The truth is we all get lost. We've all been lost, we all feel lost. And if you've met Jesus, if you'd call yourself a Jesus follower, which is what being a Christian means, then we can, you can thank God that Jesus came for you. You can thank God that he continues to reach out to you in the moments and times in your life where you feel lost. But you can also be challenged, we can also be challenged, that this, and I mean this is straight from the mouth of Jesus, this was Jesus' primary mission, his primary purpose. Why did God send his son to earth so that he could seek and save the lost? End of. No argument, no discussion, no kind of, this is my opinion, this is from the mouth of Jesus. It was his primary mission and primary purpose. He still longs to reach out to the lost. It's still his primary mission and his primary purpose. And for those of us who are Jesus followers, it ought to be ours too. You know, we teach in our churches that Jesus followers, Christians, the goal of the kind of following of Jesus, the goal of the Christian life is for our character and our, 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 our spirit to become more and more like Jesus. Well, if Jesus' primary mission was to reach out with the love of God to those who are lost and lonely and hurting, then if we are becoming more like him, so should our passion for doing that same thing. Because it was his. It's a sign of our spiritual maturity, of the maturity of our faith, if our passion for reaching out with the love of God to the lost is growing. Jesus wanted to reach and hang out with those who are lost, and his mission should be ours. It ought to be the primary mission of the church too, by the way. Because the church elsewhere in the Bible is described as the body of Jesus. Jesus is hands and feet on earth these days. Now Jesus is back with his heavenly father. We, the church, are his hands and feet. We're his body. So it ought to be the primary mission of the church too. And it's one of the things we try to do around here. We're trying to be the kind of church that reaches out with the love of God to those who are lost. We're trying to be the kind of church that people who don't normally do church would love to come and be a part of and all the different things and activities and events that we do. And you know, the sad thing is, and here I'm off on a hobby horse, right? So bear with me for three minutes that it's going to take me to do this hobby horse. The sad thing is that so many churches don't get this. 
And if you don't believe me, just go when you get home. And, uh, and I'm not trying to do down the church because I love the church, but go when you get home and just look up some churches' websites and imagine that you don't normally do church. You don't really know the language or the jargon and read those websites and tell me that those websites are not directed at people who already know church and already do church. And it's hugely sad. We try really hard here, and we haven't got this right, so I'm saying this really humbly, but we try really hard here not to use the language and the jargon that so often gets used by Christians and churches, which nobody else understands. It's why you heard me say at the beginning of my talk this morning, we're looking together at a story from Luke's account of Jesus' life in the New Testament part of the Bible, because not everybody knows who Luke was and what this book is. That's why we try to do that in all that we do. And if you've been a Christian a long time, I know every week you sit there and you say, well, I know exactly where Luke is. But it's not for you. <laughs> I'm not saying it for you. I'm saying it for everybody else. And so often, and, and this ruins us. We talk about this a lot of the time. I was having a conversation with somebody just this week. who, And again, I'm not trying to do down other churches, but who've been to visit another church. And they came back and they said, oh, we just spent the whole service going, what would somebody who didn't normally go to church make of that and that and that and that and that and that? And it totally ruins us because we see other people, we go to other people's churches, we go like that. But it's something we're really passionate about. And by the way, if you spot us doing a bad job of that, you've got to tell us because we don't always see it because we're in it all the time, right? So we long to be that kind of church that is open and welcoming and inclusive of people who don't normally do church. Sorry, hobby horse done. Let's get back to what I was going to say. So here's the questions I want to leave us with at the end of my talk today. Are you lost? Do you long to be seen, really seen? Do you long to have someone in your life who will always be there for you, always notice you, always be ready to hang out with you, and who will really see you? Are you open to find something that when you find it will make you go, where has this been all my life? And I am certain that Jesus can be that for you because he's been it for me and for so many others too. I am seen, really seen, because Jesus sees me. You are seen because Jesus really sees you, whether you know it or not. I'm known because Jesus knows me, and you are known because Jesus knows you. And I am found because Jesus has come looking for me, and you can be found too. You are seen, you are known, and you can be found because Jesus wants to do those things for you too. And if you don't know him, but you've got that sense that there must be something more, then I want to invite you to respond to his invitation to just hang out with him. And we'd love to help you with that, by the way. So just come and have a chat and we can tell you about how to hang out with Jesus. And if you've met him, if you've already responded to that invitation, if you're doing life with Jesus, then celebrate and be excited because you are seen and known and loved and valued and understood. But also, let's be excited about the mission that he's calling us into. The mission to share this amazing news with the lost and the lonely and the hurting. And I want to tell you, by the way, if that's where you are, here's simply the best way to do it. It's to invite somebody. And Christmas is a great time to invite people. 
because there's like loads going on and there's different services and we've got carol services and ki- loads of kids and youth stuff going on on Christmas. Grace and Ivan, who lead that work for our team, they were telling me about all the stuff they've got coming up. And there's all kinds of things going on for children and young people and young adults as well. If you're in that 18 to 35-ish kind of age range, there's stuff going on. There's carol services, there's contemporary carol services and brass band carol services and Sunday mornings and Christmas Day. There's all this stuff going on. There's the warm space that we're doing every week on a Thursday afternoon really easy invite opportunity. All of that's going on and there's information about that uh, in the lobby which you can take home with you and take an invite to invite somebody at the end. But simply the best way, particularly at this time of year, to reach out with the love of God to the lost, the lonely and the hurting is say, just, why don't you just come and sit with me? Sit with me in a warm space or a service or a carol thing or a youth thing or whatever it is. It's a great way to reach out and to share in the mission of Jesus. Okay, I'm going to pray, and then Andy and the band are going to come and lead us in some more songs. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray, first of all, for anybody who's here today who maybe is in that place where uh, they're, they're looking for something. And just as I've been talking, that's really resonated in, the, in their spirit. Yeah, I haven't found what I'm looking for yet, but I know there must be something more. And maybe they've been touched and impacted by the story of Zacchaeus and how Jesus reaches out. Lord God, I pray for them this morning. Just encourage and help them to be aware of your presence and to just take that step of wanting to hang out a bit more with Jesus. Have them to have the courage to talk to the person who bought them this morning or the, uh, those of us who are in the lobby at the end of the service about how they can do that. But Lord God, I pray, just make your presence known to those who've maybe never experienced or encountered it before. And if that is you, just, just come and have a chat with somebody at the end. We'd love to just help you with that. And for those of us who would say, well, we've been hanging out with Jesus a long time. Lord God, challenge us with this amazing mission that you call us into, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our world. And for our kids and our young people, Lord God, help them in the, in the, the environments that they're in, at school and at college, such difficult places to be a Jesus follower. Encourage them. Lord God, I pray. And for all of us, help us to have opportunities this Christmas to reach out and invite for the sake of people who don't know you coming to know the love of Jesus. Amen.